0: You're listening to the Christian Civics Podcast, exploring how the gospel empowers us to think, speak, and act differently in the public square. I'm your host, Rick Barry, the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Christian Civics, and it's been a while. At the end of last week, we had a great plan. The plan was to bring our podcast back to life this week by explaining our absence, thanking a bunch of people for keeping our ministry growing and moving forward while I was out, and then kicking off a new series of episodes dedicated to a new theme. Then the oil market kind of went insane over the weekend. And then on Monday, the stock market started a series of massive drops. And then my mayor and probably a bunch of others declared a state of emergency. And all of this was because of the novel coronavirus and COVID-19. So we're going to wait until next week to kick off this new series. And instead, today, we're bringing in someone to talk us through and pray us through the best ways to care for our neighbors and pray for our health care system as the coronavirus spreads. Our guest is Dr. William Petri. Dr. Petri is a professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases and International Health at the University of Virginia. He's also vice chair of the Department of Medicine there, and he practices internal medicine and the subspecialty of infectious diseases. At UVA, he also directs the NIH training programs in infectious diseases and in biothreats as well as a summer research program for underrepresented minority medical students. He's a Christian who's simultaneously working on the front lines of responding to the coronavirus and training the next generation of public health professionals as they learn how to respond to moments of crisis like this one. We're going to jump into my Skype call with Dr. Petri. Then I'll circle back after he prays us out, so that I can highlight a couple of things he said that I think are especially important to remember. One last thing to bear in mind. This interview was recorded on Thursday afternoon, and this episode is coming out during the day on Friday. This story is developing really quickly, and if things have changed by the time you're listening to this, don't be shocked. Alright, here's Dr. Petri.
1: Things have changed dramatically in the last couple of weeks. As you know, there's a tenfold increase in the number of cases outside of China. China, for example, yesterday had 50 cases of coronavirus. Outside of China, there was 5,000 new cases of COVID-19 infection, and so that's like the really concerning thing. The genie is out of the bottle, or Pandora's box is open. It's so widespread the number of countries, the number of states in the U.S. that have uh, coronavirus infection that's being spread locally.
0: You said coronavirus and COVID-19. Can you just clarify the distinction between them?
1: Yeah, so COVID-19 is a disease, so it's coronavirus disease, and it's for 2019, for when it originated in Wuhan, China. The SARS coronavirus number two is the virus that causes COVID-19. And so coronavirus for short, but it's it's a virus that is very closely related to the coronavirus that caused the disease SARS or severe acute respiratory syndrome in 2002. They're so closely related that in fact, antibodies against one SARS virus will neutralize the other one. So they're, they're that that similar. The reason like that the epidemic is stopping in China is for the same things that were done for SARS in China 18 years ago, which is that you identify someone with the COVID-19 disease and you isolate them. Then you identify each person that that patient was in contact with during the period of time that they were infectious, which is like from two days before they have the illness up to like three weeks after they are ill. And you and you put in quarantine everyone who's, who's contacted that patient. That's what was done with SARS. With SARS, they were on top of it faster. And so what happened with, with COVID-19 is that a, a, enough period of time passed that there were so many cases and so many contacts that you can no longer do this contact tracing. And so so, what worked really well for SARS couldn't be done for COVID-19 because things had moved along too quickly. And so once you can no longer do identifying cases, isolating the cases in quarantine, once that, that's just like unmanageable, then you have to do the social isolation techniques which are also effective, they're not as effective as being able to do the contact tracing. And so like the shutting down of transportation, preventing groups of you know more than 25 people, like what we're doing at UVA right now, from gathering. The opportunity, even in the US, to, to control this simply by identifying the cases and quarantining the contacts has been lost. You know, you know we've we realized that like in Seattle, where there's been like unrecognized transmission in Seattle for probably six weeks now.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned you could carry the um, SARS virus for two days before you became symptomatic. Two days is not that difficult as far as contact tracing would go. How long can you carry the coronavirus before you start developing or displaying symptoms of COVID-19?
1: And on average, that's like five to six days, and the extreme is like out to fourteen days. And so, ninety-nine percent of people will be, develop symptoms within fourteen days. And so, that's that's why that's why they come up with the amount of time that you have to quarantine someone who has been been in contact with a COVID-19 uh, patient.
0: I can't imagine needing to go back and figure out everyone I've made physical contact with for the last two weeks, like everyone I've shaken hands with. And that's why
1: we're now having to do things like, you know, close like mass gatherings, all the athletic events that have been been canceled. I I was supposed to run a marathon on Sunday and all this is being done with the idea that we're going to slow down the epidemic. We're not going to stop the epidemic in the US, but if we can slow it down just a little bit, then there's some chance that our healthcare facilities won't be overwhelmed. I was talking to my wife about it last night. She said, well why don't we just like just let it run its course. You know, we're not gonna it's too late to stop it. Why not just let it happen and have it over with and the problem with that is is that just the overwhelming the healthcare facilities like we're sort of seeing in Italy now. The thing that concerns me, um, because it's clear that if you're young, you're at much less risk of having a severe case of COVID-19. What worries me about that is that if young people don't take the precautions uh, to prevent the infection, that they may do okay with it, but then they may give it to their grandparent who who doesn't do well with it. And so I think it's a good time to just be kind to one another and kind of. Realizes the impact you're having the infection could have on, on other people around you.
0: How has your experience working in public health changed your relationship to your faith? A lot of the prophets in the Old Testament, I imagine, probably read differently to someone who's trained in public health. And a lot of early church history probably reads differently to you.
1: Well, I think one thing is, is, is gratitude that the, the work that I do, I can understand just how beautifully where we're created as, as human beings, just the way the immune system works to protect you against an infectious disease is, is incredibly intricate and beautiful. And so it's, it's a wonderful privilege as a, you know, to be a scientist and be a Christian. Every day there's something that's revealed to me about just how, how wonderfully we were created. Um, I think the other thing about public health and science is that you're always working with other people. And working, in quite often in a supervisory role where I'm the professor and I'm teaching a fellow or a graduate student, and of course that's very, very important for the field because you know my lifespan as a public health person is limited, and is, and a, a, you know, a lot of what's going to go happens through my students, and so that's a wonderful part of this. And so when, whenever we discover something or make some advance. It's never me personally. It's part of like a team, a part of working with a young person. But I, you know, I realize that in my position, the only approach to working with someone else is to give them unconditional love because that's what was given to me by Christ, you know, by dying dying on the cross for me. And if, if it's if you're giving someone unconditional love, it is so freeing with that that interaction you have you know because if this person says something that irritates you, you say well that's you know that's slight doesn't matter because this is all about like you know what can i accomplish for this person so so two things i think really as a christian is just like that this ability to be able to to teach mm-hmm. others the profession and do it in a way that i hope like that christ would want me to do it and then just understanding just like just how wonderfully everything has been created and put together. And the more you learn, the more you're just like, wow, that's so cool the way that that's, that's designed.
0: A lot of events are being canceled. A lot of workers are being encouraged to work from home. A lot of other people are probably having their hours cut, potentially even being laid off as a result of downstream effects of this pandemic. And as you said, there's a great risk that our hospitals and our healthcare institutions could potentially end up being overrun. Is there anything we can do as we're sitting at home to help support the people who are doing the front lines of the healthcare work here? Yeah.
1: Well, I think think there's a fair amount you can do as an individual to try to mitigate the epidemic first of all and and then it's' a you know, the common sense thing like like washing your hands frequently, trying like not to touch inanimate surfaces when you're out in public you know the, the grocery cart the, the doorknob um, not touching your eyes or your nose or your mouth if, because that's how you inoculate yourself with this virus you know the social distancing like don't go to a large event like a marathon or something just because of the potential that you'll become infected and then introduce that infection to someone else and so the, they're very like so, you know, and like when you greet someone now, don't touch them or something, or bump elbows. Or it's just very, mm-hmm. you know,
0: in a way, it's. You're kind saying of, don't bump elbows? Or you,
1: you could bump elbows, but oh, don't okay. shake hands, you know, don't hug someone um, until we're through this epidemic. Um, and it sounds like, like trivial things, but th- those are the sort of things that individuals can do and that will just slow the spread of, of this coronavirus. And if we can just slow it down a little bit, then we have a chance at least like that, that our hospitals won't be overwhelmed to the point that we're having to duration healthcare, like as apparently it's happening in Italy hmm. um, um, you know, with my scientific friends who are Christians. Like, we're praying for a miraculous end to this epidemic because there's, you know, I think like that, that the scientific view of this is, you know, the cat's out of the bag and, and, This is going to be absolutely terrible in April, Um, but we can pray for for a miracle and and see God's hand in in stopping this pandemic.
0: That's a wonderful reminder that we actually have permission to pray bold prayers. Um, And it's good to hear what you and some of the other friends you have in the medical and scientific community are praying for. What else would you recommend that we pray for? As someone who uh, is in the community of people tasked with understanding these kinds of things best, uh, what should the rest of your brothers and sisters be praying for in the next few weeks?
1: Well, you know, the the, the, the thing that's closest to home for me is uh, intellectual insight into how this you now the devil essentially made this virus and how can we combat it by using our, our immune systems you know, how, how can we best design the vaccine to prevent this um, you know um, insights into how the virus works so that we can develop antiviral drugs and so, I, so that, 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 that comes like really really close to it. it's one of the things that I'm working on is, is uh, a vaccine to to try to prevent this you know that's going to be not useful for this year but, but yeah you know, maybe for subsequent years um, i think you're right also to the point out all the people who are being terribly affected by the response to this people that are that are working in 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 restaurants that are you know working in athletic events that are they're that losing their jobs, you know, people that are losing their retirement incomes with uh, with the stock market. So there's a lot of people that are being terribly affected, even by the response to this. And then, you know, praying for the families who have lost uh, a family member from this, and the thousands of people that are hospitalized right now. Um, I, I really, I think that those points just is pray for a miraculous. And to the, to the epidemic. You know, no one can understand why it happened. They'll just say, wow, isn't that wonderful? It stopped. We don't know why it did.
0: What about specifically for people like you and your position? How are you doing emotionally, spiritually? You said to pray for insight, but is the weight of this responsibility heavy on you? Are you tired? How are your colleagues responding? Oh,
1: thanks. Yeah, no, I think there's, like, there's, like, a low level of stress. Um, a right. low level? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just, like, you know, it's, it's just, you know, how it sort of affects everything. I mean, maybe maybe a, sort of a constant underlying level of stress, I guess. Um, you know, trying to, like, um, I'm looking at my computer screen, I'm trying, trying to finish my uh, application to the NIH for supplemental funding to move like the vaccine work to get you know uh, further along and so you're, you're adding time. I'm concerned about um, you know I go on the um, infectious disease consult service in a week and a half and I'm really worried about like what's going to be going on in the hospital then and how are we going to be able to care for patients with this infection because there's, there's no surge capacity in our in in our healthcare system, you know, most hospitals are filled to capacity on an average day.
0: Why isn't there surge capacity?
1: Because it's expensive to have surge capacity. To have, like, an empty bed in a hospital is, you know, this not, you know, you're not paying for the, you know, the uh, cost of having that that room there. Um, and so, you know, most hospitals are, are more than 90% at capacity at any one moment that's frightening and that's that's stressful and and it, this you know the young students and the fellows that i'm working with I'm, I'm trying to talk to them about it sort of thing i think that that we all are everyone is probably feeling you know uh, un, uncertain about mm-hmm. it. so and especially people that are not christians that don't know that you know that they're going to be cared for perfectly you know, that that's this has got to be So i can't like totally put myself in their place to understand like this has got to be even more concerning to them than than to me.
0: Right. I know you have a lot of, frankly, very important work to be doing right now, but would you mind taking a minute or two before we go to just lead us and our listeners in prayer through some of the more technical aspects of this in prayer that I wouldn't necessarily know how to lead us in?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I would love to do that. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, dear Lord, um, thank you that you're here in our presence. Um, Lord, thank you that you um, care for us so profoundly that you gave your son's life uh, for me. And thank you for the reassurance uh, that we're going to be provided for perfectly. You know, just as the flowers in the field are so beautiful and the birds that you're going to provide like far more perfectly for us than than even our own parents could provide for us, and that you anticipate our needs and our things that we should be praying about even before uh, we do. And Lord, we're like in a very um, uncertain, unprecedented time with a global pandemic due to the coronavirus. And Lord, at this time of uncertainty, I want to pray first for the families of those who have, have lost uh, a loved one from COVID-19. I want to pray for the thousands of people who are hospitalized around the world with this infection now, Lord, for their comfort that they would know that you're there with them. Pray for the health care providers, the doctors, the nurses, the therapists, the nurses' aides that are overwhelmed in so many countries. Right now, with the magnitude of the pandemic, and pray for the planners in the healthcare systems in the U.S. now as they're trying to figure out how to accommodate um, a surge in patients that that may well, you know, outstrip even the best abilities to to uh, provide care in the in the midst of a of a of a pandemic like this, Lord, and. Um, Mostly to know that 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 you're all powerful, and that, that we can boldly pray, Lord. And I pray that you'll stop this epidemic in in its tracks, Lord, because I know that you can do that. And, and thank you that that, um, that that we can each come to you in prayer. That that um, you you um, are are so powerful, so wise, and. Um, are just like so willing and able to provide for us perfectly, Lord. I, I just pray, pray this uh, in Your Son's name. Uh,
0: amen. Amen. All right, that was my call with Doctor Petri. I'm really grateful that he took the time out of literally working on a vaccine for the coronavirus. To give us some insight into how the medical community is responding and how we can help slow down the spread of the virus ourselves. Around the middle of the conversation, he mentioned that this is a great time for us to learn to be kind to one another. And I was really struck by that. Something I think about a lot is the way the church responded to the series of plagues that hit Rome in the early years of the faith. It's a story that I'm sure a lot of us have heard. Preachers love talking about it. The Christians in Rome, even at a time when the faith was illegal, stayed behind in the plague-ridden cities to take care of the sick and the dying. While our pagan neighbors fled in fear, the Christians were so sure that they were heading toward a better resurrection that they weren't scared at all to stay in the cities and let their dying neighbors know that they weren't alone. They tended to their pain, they spoke hope into their hearts, and in most cases, they died alongside them. When we look for ways to love and serve our neighbors today, we're often looking for ways that are romantic or glorious or tragic or have some kind of glamour to them. But the things doctors like Dr. Petrie are asking us to do aren't glamorous this time around. They're kind of simple, quiet, humble acts. They may even feel passive, but they're still sacrificial. For a lot of us, helping to protect our neighbors for the next few weeks is going to end up meaning that we sacrifice some of our comfort, or some of our entertainment, or some of our self-image, or maybe even some of our security. I appreciate his reminder that the best thing we can do is not to worry about our own lives first, especially if we're young and healthy, not worry about what we'll eat or what we'll wear, but instead think about the way we might accidentally affect the widows and the orphans who are all one or two or three degrees of separation from us. Because with something that transmits as easily as the coronavirus, one or two or even three degrees of separation really aren't very far. We'll be back in less than a week with another episode of this podcast. Hopefully, that will be the episode we intended to actually put together for this week. But we're willing to be flexible if we need to respond to any important developments and the coronavirus story that might require explanation or additional prayer. Until then, thank you for joining us, thank you for praying along, and thank you for being willing to let the gospel challenge you to think, speak, and act differently in the public square. I'm Rick Barry, I'm the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Christian Civics, and I'll be back with you right here in less than a week.